in a tent the ground Knowing if I fail to lift the veil, I'm hellbound Journey through the fate of all the hate I found Done laying out the layman's for these lames, big clowns We can still throw down pound for pound If you choose to drag my name through the mud with no bounds Scars go deep, but the passion can shift Trying to find a balance between anger and bliss Searching for my purpose when success is a myth I thought I knew the gist of the plot, but it came with a twist Had it all mapped out, but none of the pieces fit Abandonment issues got me doing the split Realizing I didn't really need what I wish Got sick of getting tricked into giving the devil a kiss Welcome to the side of hell Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Portal to the Paranormal Thriller Podcast Live. Um, tonight, we've got a great guest joining us in a moment, um, but just um, a few things before we start. As always, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, if you've got any questions for our guest, put them in the comments and we'll do our best to read them out. Um, but tonight, I'm joined by an author, historian, paranormal investigator, a trick of all trades by the sounds of it. Um, Penny Griffiths Morgan. So we're going to just pop her on now. Good evening. Hello. Penny. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good. Thank you. you. Good, I'm a good. bit croaky. <laughs> I've got my son's. Oh, thank you. Well, don't, don't, please don't judge if people suddenly start seeing me sniffing or grabbing my drink or whatever. I'll try and I'm, I'm pseudo fed it up to get so we can have a good chat, hopefully. No. <laughs> let me know and I'm sure I can find something else to talk about for a moment <laughs> a few hellos in the room so we've got Lynn that's in the room saying hello hello Lynn um hello Tara these might be people your end Penny uh Melinda no again Lynn uh I know Daniel. him hey there's our big boss <laughs> yeah I know her. Sarah. Sarah's in the room as well <laughs> so yeah a few people saying hello to you penny so again thank you very Hi, much everyone. for joining us um, so it, it's great to have you back on because the last time you spoke with sarah um yeah. and it was a great show but what i want to do is just start off really by doing a bit of a recap with you so we know um from our description author you're a historian you're a paranormal investigator so firstly um you know the most common question that we ask is how did it all start for you well, um, the history or the paranormal? Well, which, what, which part of that started? Was it the history that started for you or the paranormal? Which one of the fields were your first no, bits? It was the paranormal. It, it was, was the, the paranormal, paranormal side. I mean, I was one of those kids whose parents had a National Trust membership from a very young age who would drag us around to every single castle on holiday in our caravan that they could. And at the time, I hated it didn't understand it and now I'm a parent myself I get it why I did it you know let your kids run loose over some castle ruins for four hours it knackers them out and hopefully they absorb a bit of it mm. um but I it was kind of wasn't I didn't really get into history until I was about 12 when I went to secondary school and I had the most amazing history teacher who he was a bit odd but in a cool way, in that, yeah. you know, he encouraged me to ask questions. He encouraged me to challenge opinions and 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 
uh, all of that kind of thing. Um, but before that, the, the paranormal side, um, I've told this story before, but I've always had experiences of things from a young age. And um, and the, the, the first one that really comes to mind was the village I grew up in. I grew up in Norfolk. I'm from Essex originally. Parents ripped me from Essex at three years old and made me move to Norfolk. And we were in a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere, really in the boonies. And there was like old buildings, sort of derelict. And there was this old barn, um, beautiful old barn, derelict. And my little sister and I always used to joke it was haunted, as kids do, because it looked eerie, full of cobwebs, probably had vermin running around in it. Anyway, I, I must have been about nine, ten, around that sort of age. Hi, um, that sort of age. And we were walking the dog in the village. This village was tiny. I mean, you're looking at 100 houses, if that, in the whole village. Everyone knew each other. And it was, it was one of those really safe places that as a 10-year-old kid, you could walk around with your dog and you, you mm. were safe. And I remember my, my sister was three years younger than me and we dared each other to look through the door of this building. <clears throat> and it was one of those, no, you do it. No, you do it. No, we'll do it together. And as we're looking through, there was this bright light flying around. And the only thing I can equate it to was like Tinkerbell from Peter Pan. Okay. It had that kind of flying, sort of darting. And, and it wasn't, I mean, looking back on it now as an adult, knowing what I know now, it wasn't following an air pattern. It wasn't an insect. It, it was kind of had its own course it wanted to follow. And, and it, it, I remember it flying up to us where we were at the door, the hole we were looking through, hovering for a split second, and then just vanished. Now, there was nothing shining into there. They, 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 we don't know what could have caused it. But the weirdest thing was my sister and I both fell, and even our dog at the time, it was, it was like we were suddenly frozen for that split second. It was mm. like time stopped. And we both went, huh? That, that, it, it was like something, everything. And, and, and that kind of made me think there's stuff that we don't understand. And, and then there'd be things like... Um, I'd hear footsteps in our house. I mean, our house wasn't, it wasn't old. It was 1960s, but obviously the land had stuff on it before the house yeah. had been built. And we, we'd we all be in the living room. We'd hear, I'd hear, we'd hear footsteps on the landing. Um, I think one time my dad used to work away from home and I thought I saw, I saw a shadow walk past the glass door for our living room. And all excited as kids would be thinking dad's come home early, went flying out there. There's no one there. But I saw it. I saw a shadow of a man come past. And mm -hmm. and it was things like that that just made me, as even as a kid, think there is something here. There's something we don't know. Um, I probably sort of tried to, when I got into my late tw my tw late 20s, I thought, oh, I'm going to try and blank this out, you know, be normal, get a mortgage, all that kind of stuff. Um. But then once I hit my mid thirties, it was like, nah, you can't, you can't blank this stuff out. It's, it's, it's there. So, and that's how it started. And it's been like that really ever since. So, so you say that you went through a period of time where you sort of blocked it all out. Um, mm. You know, coming back into it, what made you re, um, you know, get yourself back into the field then? Was that something that happened that sort of pulled you back in from a break um, from it? Or 
I, I think it was just sort of thinking, I don't care if people think this is odd. So, as simple as that. I kind of, I kind of got to the stage where I, I, I didn't care anymore if people thought I was a bit weird. Um, and that's really how I restarted. I saw, and it was actually I was, I was doing a night feed. With, I, I think it was my, I think it was my youngest. So not the son that you met before we came on air. <laughs> um, who I've just been trying to gesticulate at because he's making noise in the background, and I'm trying to gesticulate at him to keep quiet. <laughs> um, so yeah, he um, wasn't him. It was his younger brother who's nine and a half, and I was doing a night feed, and. You've got children, haven't you, Nando? You know the whole yeah, the night and things. And I know, yeah. Yeah, you've been there. And I was just, it was about two o'clock in the morning, and I'm hopping through the television channels, see if anything comes on. And there was these guys doing ghost hunting with all these gadgets and stuff. And I was thinking, this is really cool. Couldn't understand a word they were saying. It was the Tennessee Wraith Chasers. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and I started thinking, this is really cool. And then the next day, I said to my husband, I want to have a go at this and he's like go for it so i the next day i started googling local groups that were prepared to train me and went from there really so it's all the tennessee and, race chasers fault if i hadn't seen them people wouldn't have to put up with me now and you know going, going through the the panel you are right in what you said it's a bit weird that you know a lot of people avoid it because i think partly they're scared of the unknown because that's what it's based on is the unknown um you know what kind of like when you've told your friends what you do then and when you started telling people that you're getting really involved in it what was their sort of take on you doing it as well um, not a lot because the, the, they were like I think I think one of my friends said it's about time okay so, <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah quite quite a few of them were like and I, I you know, it, it's the people who who find it. I find it harder to sometimes admit it to. It's like my day job, my other side, my like mortgage paying side. They then they're, they're not always that keen on it, but that's where I'm quite careful who I tell what I do. I make sure they know that I'm I'm not some you know devil conjuring <laughs> nut job. You know, because there are still people that think like that, but. Most people now, and well, you know, it's like when my husband explains it to people, and he's like, "There are they do experiments, they do research. It's not just a case of every single knock is a ghost. It's it's mm. there is a bit more to it than that. And and also because I've got the history side, um, I've got that added sort of almost layer. I'm not an academic. I've never done a degree or anything like that, but I'm self taught. Mm. But it's that la added layer of well, if a name comes through on a ovulus, for example, which I've had happen, and I've then managed to actually find that person and find their background and it all fits, it's quite hard to dismiss it as being hokum. So, mm. no, most people, I mean, you know, my mum is sometimes, when I first started doing it, she was like, I don't tell people you hunt ghosts. I don't tell. I was like, well, it's not quite like that. You know, it's a bit different to I hunt ghosts, mum. But now as time has progressed, the fact that, oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah. now that because I, I write for Haunted Magazine, I've written for Haunted Magazine now for three years, if not more. In fact, my article's on the cover of this month or this issue's Haunted oh, Magazine. Um, 
I have appeared on Help My House is Haunted a few times now as well. I did the um, Spectre or Spectacle film that people like Dr. Kate Shrell, Jane Harris, all those kind of people are in. So I'm starting to get, it's, it's becoming a lot less of a, um, well, it's still a hobby, but there's validity to it. So even my mum tells people, and then she'll tell people, yeah, Penny's written four books, Penny has a podcast, Penny does this, Penny does, she's, Penny's been on television and, and, you know, they, they, it, it's, it's all more acceptable now because they can see it's not a case of, oh, if you don't believe in ghosts, then you're bad. <clears throat> it's more a case of let's look and see what's going on and see what, if we can explain it, because if we can't, it's paranormal because we can't explain it. Mm. And with, with the paranormal, you know, one thing that I find that is um, a lot of people do focus on, and you sort of touch base on it about the devil and the conjuring. And do you mm. think people are too quick? Because sometimes when you look at certain TV shows, they're yeah. very quick to say this is something demonic and, you know, something evil. And, you know, we've been in locations where we we have felt unsettled. But to yeah. us, we don't go and say this is evil. What's your take on demonic entities? Do you think that these are real or do you think it's just like TV shows playing in people's minds that are making them overreact and, you know, re overthink How things? long have you got? It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts that um, it seems to be one of the current things is it's demonic. I mean, my when people first come on a ghost a ghost hunt, like you know the the big sort of corporate event, public events, and people, oh my, I don't want to get, I don't yeah. want to get possessed by a demon, and I'll be like, I know some people might say I'm possessed at times, but I'm not. <laughs> I've been doing this for a very long time. I've never been possessed. And I've I've gone into some places where in theory I could be in theory. Because mm. and my thing to them is there are going to be people in life, living people. Am I allowed to swear on this? Am I allowed to use yeah. bad language? Yeah. yeah. There are gonna yeah. be people in, there are gonna be people in life who we meet who are right and utter evil bastards. They're still going to be the same level of evil when they die. Could it not just be them who are the demonic ones? You know, could it not be them that are making people feel uneasy? Because I know as a woman, there are times when I've gone into a place and there's loads of living, breathing people around. And one of them will give me that, oh, gosh, no, I don't want to be in a room on my own with them feeling. Could that not be what people feel sometimes from a spirit? Mm. I... I, I I don't know whether demons exist. I know there's a, an awful lot of demonologists who will, who say they do, but they're not what everyone thinks that they're not in every single place. I mean, when you watch certain programs, and I hate to say it's predominantly American ones, and I love the Americans. I've got some very good American friends, but it seems to be an awful lot of the American ones. But I do wonder if that's more down to the fact that America is more steeped in religion. You know, you you tend to find more churches in America. You tend to find more people have a religious belief system in America, whereas the UK seems to be almost more um, atheist at times. And we, so we, I I do wonder if that's part of the reason. Um, but it's like when I I did an investigation at Harridge Readout, and I think it was a child. It felt like a child and they, they, they were holding my hand. And when I said this to someone, they were, oh, my gosh, it was a demon masquerading as a child. And I went, couldn't a child just be a child? 
what why does it always have to be a demon masquerading as something so if it's a really nice a person who's chatting away to you being oh no it's a demon trying to win why can't it just be someone who was friendly who died who is still friendly mm -hmm. because they're per i don't believe your personality is going to change after you have passed away if you're a nice person in life would you not be a nice, be nice. person in death because <clears throat> that's your that's your spirit so no i think um i think it's used too much and 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 i think sometimes it is just a case of it was somebody who was a bit of a nasty bastard in real life male or female um mm. i mean could it be that maybe they are part demon i don't know i don't know maybe they are but no i i, I am not a um everything negative is a demon believer i i think yeah. it's thrown out there far too much and I think a lot of investigators who use it are doing it by copying the television programs rather than um, sometimes thinking about it themselves. Like I say, I know people who are demonologists. Um, maybe they do exist. But even the friends I've got who are demonologists won't say every single place has got one. I think that's the problem. You get people that will come along and then they try and say that they've been possessed and they, they suddenly go from one minute they're fine, suddenly they collapse, and then the next minute they're fine again. And it's just hard to, you know, how can you be sure if you're not using what you've seen on TV and trying to implement that into your investigation? It just, it's a hard one because, mm. you know, like you said, demons, because they also say like things like demons incubus, is it? They're, they're no living things. And how do they become part of our, like, portal or our world? If they've never actually existed and that's the thing that i've never got my head yeah. around is the that side of it i think it, it's a it's a it's not an area that i've ever gone mega mega sort of academically scholastically into it's something that i'll leave that to the demonologist that's their thing but what i do find is interesting is when you sort of talk to people like dr kieran o'keefe who is a psychologist and a parapsychologist and he's very much he I know I think it was last year or the year before he was doing a lot of awareness about psychological work in when you're doing paranormal investigating, because there were some of the um, the uh, live Facebook livers who who were taking people who were quite obviously had psychological problems and manipulating that for viewing figures, saying that they were possessed. And it was quite yeah. obvious they had psychological problems. I mean, we, you know, we know now looking <laughs> from a historical perspective, we can look at people who were in um, mental health facilities, so the lunatic asylum in the 1800s, who we know now who they would possess. They were this, they were that. No, they they had schizophrenia or they had um, um, disassociative identity disorders, all those kind of things that we now know isn't a demon it's a medical thing so i kind of I, I yeah i that's where being the nerdy historian comes in because i can sort of see these things and and i'll say i know Keir, dr kieran o'keefe was doing an awful lot on you know being aware of the psychological aspect on people who might have a bit of a sensitive um mm. hold on reality it can be dangerous and you've got to if one of them says they think they're seeing i don't know jack the ripper in their home i'm trying to deliberately not say the person who they, i'm thinking of but because it will <laughs> know which show i'm talking about um but jack the ripper in their home 
rather than assume straight away when they've got their they've got books on Jack the Ripper in their house everywhere maybe look into their medical history if you can but then you should be a qualified psychologist to be able to do that because otherwise you don't know what you're looking at so it, it, it it's there is certainly an aspect of care and um duty of care with those kind of things so I know it's digressed a bit from the whole demons but no, that's fine um, I did say, how long have you got? <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, and just that um, Scott Matthewson from Paranormal and History yeah. Scotland, uh, he's just put on a, uh, the word demonic is used way too much. And um, to me, it's either a grumpy spirit, a bit like what you were saying, or someone who wasn't pleasant in life, just his opinion. Um, yeah, but he's also I agree with Scott and I agree. Whole, again, like I say, I think it was someone who was an evil git in real life, in life. And, um, do we think? Do I? Do you think if the more we go to a location, the more the spirit remembers? Yes, very much so. I like that scratching. Um, yeah, very much I'm, so. You know, um, a lot of people do tend to go to you know um, locations more than once, and like Scott was asking, it sort of builds up. You know, you build a story, don't you? Because I think sometimes you can go to one of one location and it's completely dead, like nothing will happen. So you need to go back. Um, but like Scott was just asking, and I've asked this question before. Do you think when you go to a new location um, mm -hmm. and there's spirits there, do you think they are afraid of us, even though they're in the spirit world? Do you think that they are afraid and we've got to go back a few times so they can get to know who we are and what we're actually doing? Um, without sounding rude, I think that would be a huge overgeneralization because if we look at them as being sentient beings, um, you will sometimes meet someone that you bond with straight away and it feels like you've known them forever. They don't have to keep coming back. Yet there might be someone who's more of a slow burn to get to trust them. I think yeah. that's the same thing. I think it's more down in, in my experience, the, the sort of tiny amount I've had really, I think it's more down to the energies because when I um, did my first investigation at RAF Tibbenham, which is an old American air base, which is where uh, the actor Jimmy Stewart flew from, or one of them in, in World War II, um, I'd been going there since I was knee high to a grasshopper, 40 odd years by this point I've been going there. And even as a kid, me and my sister used to say there were certain areas of it we felt we were watched. We felt there was someone there. We weren't alone. You know that feeling when you go into a room and you almost feel like there's loads of people around you, but you can't see them, but you don't. Yeah. Yeah. We used to feel that as kids. There were certain parts of the old clubhouse, which was only built in the 60s, so it wasn't authentic to the old airfield, that we would go through as quickly as possible because it scared us. There's no logical reason, but I still had that feeling now. And it was interesting when I took someone there who was a medium who'd never been. She went, whoa, this is heavy in here. And I'd not told her. I'd not told her what I'd felt. but. When I first investigated it, now I knew there was stuff there. I knew there was because I've. It took four or five hours before things started to flow, and it was almost like they had to know that we genuinely wanted to see them because the way I look at it is, if you've spent fifty years in our time going hello, hello, I'm here. Do you want? Do you want to hear what? And everyone's ignoring you. I'd get pretty annoyed, wouldn't you? I'd be a bit like. Okay, I won't bother then. And now you've got these people sitting there going, yeah, we do want you to talk to us. I'd almost be sort of, are you sure? Because you've been ignoring me the whole time. Now you want And it, it's it's almost like you've got to build, that's the trust, I think. That's how it feels when I've done Tibbenham anyway. And and, yeah. and I've, 
I, I did a, an actual public investigation there back in July and certain parts that I've always found quite busy when I've been there were really quiet for the new people. And, and it was interesting because um, it, 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 I, I think there is, an, there is an element of trust, but there's also an element of energy and also an element of, I think, yeah, we do really want to hear you. Because it's like if, if you say to a friend, look, if you need to talk to me, just talk. And every time they do it, you're too busy to listen or you fall asleep when they're talking to you or whatever. That friend's going to start going, you don't really want to listen to me, do you? And they're not going to do yeah. it anymore. And I think in certain places that aren't investigated. But then again, I also think places can get investigation fatigue and and sometimes need a rest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think it really... Yes, I do think they can build more trust, but I also think that sometimes a spirit will just take to you straight away, like you would take to an, an, a, a living you. human. Yeah. And do you think, like, the energy that you bring into a location, do you think that affects the investigations that we carry out? So if you go in with a good vibe, you could potentially have a bet because you're building the right energy. Do you think that has a play in the investigations that we carry out? I think... I, I know I've been on in public investigations with members of the public and you could know that someone's blocking it. You know that someone's come in with such negative, this is all bull kind of energy that they're blocking it. And the minute you remove them from the situation, everything starts happening. <laughs> you know, you, you, and I have seen that. Whether it's their energy or whether they, they have some, whereas you have some people who are able to almost be conduits for the energy, like they're, they're, they're able to, just having them in a room has things start happening that other people are witnessing. I'm wondering if they can, that you can have some people who are the opposite. You know, when you get those people who say, oh, I've done all these investigations and nothing's ever happened. I don't believe them. I don't believe that nothing has ever happened. I think it's more a case of they've never noticed it because they're waiting for a book to fly off a bookshelf or, or a, a ghost to stand in front of them and go, hi, you know, they're not waiting for the, the noise that nobody can explain. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I, I did um, Gresson Hall Workhouse in Norfolk, and I mean, workhouses is my thing. That's probably my specialism. And I wandered off on my own <coughs> because I'm like that. <coughs> now, Gresson Hall was shut, shut for three months of the year and it had been shut. So there'd been no heating on. I mean, I can, I can tell you it was freezing and it was weather like we've got at the moment. And, and I was chatting away like I do, chatting away to whoever's, in there and I said if you're here can you you know can you can you make a noise can you let me know if I can help at all and I heard a tap 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 on a metal pipe and I was like it's interesting okay and I got they did it again and I asked them to and I'm thinking oh it's just the heating pipes flexing the common thing isn't it people are tapping on a pipe they think it's communication and I was chatting to a plumber friend of mine about it and he went it won't have been the heating pipes flex flexing I said why and he goes they've been off for three months they won't right. still be flexing and I'm like oh okay cool all right that's good. but it's it's it, it, it was that kind of um I don't I'm not a, I'm not a skeptic but I don't believe everything um I did chat to the person as though they were there but in my mind I was thinking yeah that's not real evidence because it could just be the heating pipes flexing and yet so yeah. I speak to an expert says no 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 that wouldn't have been the heating pipes flexing um so I I just think it's it but some I think some people can block 
energy. And I, I also think that some people will just, whatever they hear. I mean, I was on one investigation. We were getting the spirit box to say, just use a word to describe us. I love doing that one. And um, what did I, I got buxom it used. And I'm killing myself laughing that this male spirit has called me buxom. And this woman goes, what does buxom mean? And I, I went, well, sort of curvy and quite well endowed and stuff. And she went, that's <laughs> right, not what it said. And I was like, and she was jealous because oh. her word was sour. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an accurate description of her. She she had been like that all night. And and she, she was just so nasty. And But she was still having stuff happen. But she was annoyed that I... Uh, but she was like, that's not what they said. Now, we recorded it. We played it back. It did say it. But she was like, that's not what it said. That's not what it said. So, yeah, it's a negative energy. But I do actually think that sometimes spirits, if they've got someone who's that nasty, if you like, who's that they will do stuff to sort of go, almost stick their fingers up at them and go, we don't particularly want you here. If you're going to be this obnoxious to people, you're a bully. So I, I don't know if – I think – I, I I always I always when I take newbies on an investigation and I, I know we were talking about the fact I'm training my son up to do investigating as well I always say to people go with the monsters inc theory that laughter produces more energy than fear so I go in cracking jokes not at their expense at my own expense I don't laugh at the spirits I laugh at myself mm. um and to create energy that way. And that's the kind of attitude I try to go in with because I, I want to be, I, yeah, I want to be a positive energy for them, especially if they've gone through something traumatic in their lives. You know, if I go in all, you know, um, miserable and antagonistic and everything else, it's not going to be nice for them, is it? No. And I agree with what you say is going in with the, building the right energy and having a laugh. Um, you know, our team are all about, you know, we, we do take, because you've got to respect the location. There's history there and you want to respect it. But at the same time, we always encourage um, our guests, you know, and anyone that's on an investigation with us to have a laugh at the same time, you know, because we do find, and I don't know if you agree with this, sometimes you could be focusing so much on an experiment and nothing's happening, but you ever diverse away from the experiment and start talking amongst yourselves. Ignore you, them. Yeah, and then you suddenly get the things that happen. Like, okay, I'm not doing, you know, I've not done anything, but now I'm going to let you know that I am here in the yeah, background. Yeah, boy, boy, I'm finished yet. Yeah, oh, I do that all the time. I, I can't remember who I was with. I was on an investigation, and I started doing that. And somebody goes, "Oh, we were doing, we were, we were doing a calling out session." I said, "I know, I'm doing this deliberately. I changed the subject deliberately, and guess what? It started happening again." Yeah, yeah, no, it's um. Yeah, I do. I do. I, I, I find it quite funny. It's it's almost like a petulant child sometimes that you ignore them. And, and the minute you ignore them and start talking to somebody else, they're like, oh, well, you want me to do this? You want me to go to bed now, do you? <laughs> so, yeah. So um, just to go back to comments. So Laura has put there is a location we do regularly. Um, this is Paranormal and History yeah. Scotland, I believe. At first, I was scared of the tall man with the hat. But after doing this location a few times, I've learned he's no harm to me, only protecting his family. I even did a lone vigil and didn't feel scared at all. 
And I think that's great. If you can build up the courage to do, you know, I'll be honest, just a little bit. I started doing this because Sarah's been into the paranormal for years. Yeah. And then Dan started portal to the paranormal during the pandemic. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to like dip my toes in it. And it was only meant to be like helping out with events, like getting events booked. And yeah. then I started going on it. And I never realized how popular the paranormal actually is. You know, I thought, you know, I've got to be honest, when Sarah started doing it, I was like, you're going to go and play Ghostbusters with your friends. <laughs> well, that's what I used to say. And it's just yeah. like now, it's just amazing. And the people that you get to speak to, like yourself, Penny, and, you know, we spoke to Karen and, you know, just all of you are amazing people. Scott from Paranormal and History. Yeah. It's just been such a great experience to, you know, learn from other people, but get yeah. there. Because everyone, this field is very... Um, you know, everyone has different opinions, you know, mm -hmm. everyone believes in different. And I just think it's great to be able to bring it all together and everyone just sort of discussing it and putting their opinions across and see how different people work. And yeah. you know, I've reared off a little bit there, but oh. going back to it, talking about difference of opinions. Now, a lot of different people, especially with events, they do like a seance at the start of it where uh -huh. they say like a protection chant. Do you believe in these chants and do you believe that they work to protect you throughout your investigation or do you just get stuck in and just get on with it? I, when I did the public, I don't, I don't run many public investigations. I, I go on quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and I have taught myself to shield myself because it was a mistake I made in early days. I'd come away absolutely physically drained and I realized it was because I, I wasn't protecting myself and it, emotionally enough. So I, I did teach myself how to do it. But I think it's it's a case of if someone wants to learn, you can teach them. But I, I personally don't think when you have if I think it's more. Um, it might work for a few people in the group when you do the big group ones, when you do public in investigations but I, I and I'll talk someone through what I do if they ask but I I think it I I I I just I just don't I I I think when you've got group, big group investigations you don't know that everyone's doing the visualization as you're going through it for example so yeah. you can't I mean, I, I, I went through a phase of wearing certain crystals when I did investigations that I felt wearing a pentagram as a protection sort of thing. And, and, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I personally don't feel you have to protect yourself. I think people who worry about being possessed are those who watch the shows, who see the deep coming back to the demons again, because I, I've had spirits follow me home. I remember I did um, an investigation at the British School Museum in Hitchin. I kid you not, I'm driving home in my car at sort of three o'clock in the morning and I saw someone sitting in my back seat for a split second. I was a kid. And I said to them, you can't come home with me. You've got to go back to the school. Vanished. So, you know, and I was a bit kind of like, oh, maybe I'm too tired. Maybe I need more Haribo. I don't know. But, you know, if, so if I think I've had a, a hitchhiker, I will send them home. I, I, I will say to them, you can't, you can't stay. Um, when I've gone to like Epping Forest, I'm, I'm writing a book on at the moment. There's been a few that have latched onto us very quickly. And it's a case of saying, you do know you've got to stay here. This is where you've got to be. 
but I'll mm. be back. You know, I will be back. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm. I think if a protection on your set, learn how to do it. I, that that's probably what I would say. I mean, um, I mean, what's actually Scott's just come up with something. I just saw it flash up. Yeah, I always say thank you to them. I I mean, I, I think was it, I can't remember if it was my son or my husband said to me, "Do you feel weird when they communicate with you?" And I said, "No, I feel grateful." I feel honoured and grateful that they trust me enough to to talk. So I say thank you. And like they're introducing yourself as well. Um, we 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 got to work with Brian Laverty from Huntophobia in Canada. He comes to the UK. And one thing he does on every investigator, he introduces himself before he starts anything. And I think that's a, you know, that's what we were doing, you know, if we was to speak to someone that we're meeting for the first time, we introduce each other. So why not be the same with the spirit? Um, so yeah, so really good. Um, you know, with regards to you just touch base on your books, you've written quite a few books. Um, yep. let me just get some of these up. So there That's we go. The so, um, yep. so, you know, absolutely brilliant. You know, the ones that I was looking at firstly is the haunted experiment. Yeah. Um, so based on what I've got from the book is that you've listened, I don't know if it's something that you've watched on TV or other podcasts, but you've listened to people's investigations and the kind of experiments that they're doing. And you've tried to, yeah. you know, mimic what they've done, you know, sort, what, of. What, sort of, what kind of things have you done with that? Well, the whole thought process for a haunted experiment came from, I was, um, and I'm sort of dropping names here. I, I did a daily mail photo shoot for women in the paranormal. Oh, crumbs. Four years ago now, five years ago. And you had like Hazel Ford was there. Um, MJ Dixon was there. I'm trying to think who else was there now. Uh, Jolene Jackson was there. And they're all nattering about various things. And they were talking about um, uh, EVPs. And, uh, and I said, where can I find out the history of this? Because everything has a history whether you're talking about the paranormal, whether you're talking about World War II, whether you're everything has a history. And I was interested in what the history behind people coming up with these methods to monitor, for want of a better term, paranormal activity. And that gave me the thought about haunted experiment. And I thought, well, rather than just write a book that's history, why don't I look into the history of some of these experiments as best as I can and then possibly try and recreate them somewhere? So, and to see which kind of had quite interesting reactions and which didn't. So I looked at EVPs because it's one everyone, everyone knows EVPs. It's one of the first things you really learn, isn't it? As an investigator, it's what's, yeah. what's EVP. So I looked into that. Um, I looked into the Phillips experiment where they kind of conjure, for want of a better term, a ghost up. And I had a theory on that one. I looked at the Estes method and actually interviewed one of the guys who came up with it in the book. Um, and I also looked at my favourite experiment to do, and this is my absolute favourite, either called Singapore theory or trigger experiments. And so I tried to look at where the four of those came from, the, th the thinking behind them. And then I went into some locations to try them. <clears throat> excuse me, and I did the Philip experiment at REF Tibbenham, and my husband had, and if, if anyone buys the book, they can see the, where's it gone, the picture there, is the picture we used on the book, I don't okay. know if you can see that, 
That's the picture we used. And it, it was a friend of my husband's. I said, I just need you to draw a US Air Force airman. Just just anything you want him to look like, but I need an airman. And I came up with a backstory for him. And and we did the experiment. Um because it was quite a quick one, it, it, we didn't spend months and months prepping the place. It was it was done over a couple of weeks almost. So I got my dad to take the picture to the clubhouse to leave it there for me. Uh, um, and I was reading out the guy's bio that I'd made up and everything. Um, and I can say that one, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing happened. I'm not saying Tibbenham nothing happened because Tibbenham did but nothing happened in relation to the Philip experiment. Um, we did, I mean, so we did tr tr a trigger, trigger work, which is one of my favorite ones. So that did actually provoke something at Tibbenham. We took um, an REF badge, World War II REF badge, and that, <laughs> that got the spirit box going bonkers because they didn't like it there. <laughs> They're USS, okay. so they didn't like an REF badge there. Um, EVPs, they, they produce stuff. Um, and I do love doing the Estes method because I think it's a really good way of using a spirit box to see what you can find. And so, yes, yeah, so that's how I did it. Um, and choose, I think, I think one of the locations we used, um, Harridge Readout was one of the ones we did Estes method in. Uh, and that one, I was there during the day because I think you can do investigations during the day. If you can control your, your surroundings a bit and not have loads of people coming through, and um, <laughs> I, I, I had the headphones on, so I couldn't hear what anyone uh, the questions. And all I got was, oh, my God, it's I, I shouted out, oh, my God, Americans. And the people I was with sort of corpsing on the floor because there were some American tourists behind me had just walked through and were talking quite loud. Yeah. I didn't know that. But on the spirit box, all I'd heard was, oh, my God, Americans. And, 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 and it was little things like that that were quite sort of strange. Um, but yeah, so that that's why I, I did a haunted experiment to give people the background. A lot of people know how to conduct these experiments. There's loads of brilliant books on how to do experiments. I mean, Sarah Chimacero from Australia, she's done quite a lot of books on it and they're brilliant. So I wasn't trying to teach people how to do them, more of a where did it come from and what thought process was going through the inventor's mind when they came up with them. And you're talking about experiments. There's so many different types of experiments. And, mm. you know, some of the stuff that you've touched on is more, you know, you're using your own abilities, listening, you know, trigger objects. Yeah. A lot of experiments now involve technology. You know, mm -hmm. you've got the mobile apps, you've got all sorts. Well, what are your takes? So if I, I don't know if you've heard of the app Necrophonic. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you think about apps like that, that people come along and they're talking about those sort of things that they use in, you know, um it apps basically that are designed to do that do you believe that they work or do you think it's just the technology that's making it work um i love an app i love a bit of technology but i never take it in isolation i'm always measuring what else is going on around so um for example um a part of Epping Forest I investigated recently for the new book. One of the team was using Necrophonic. And we kept hearing the word soldiers, fire, soldiers, fire. And he was like, why would soldiers, why would there be soldiers here? Now, I knew why. They didn't. 
I also knew why they were coming up with the word fire. It wasn't as in fire as in fire your gun. It was in, I think, that where they were barracked, burnt down during the First World War. And so sometimes I, but then again, there was, uh, I, so I think if you take things in isolation, I, my concern is when someone comes up and they get the word murder come up on one of these apps and they're like, oh, there must have been a murder take place here. And they try and shoehorn stuff in to meet the word that's come up. Yeah. Rather than say, well, actually, it, it, it may not. I mean, it, it's like when you, you might get someone who says, yes, I was murdered here. Really? Really? Because if you were murdered here in, I don't know, 1887, there'd be a death record for you because there had to be. There'd be a newspaper yeah. report. There'd be... You know, there's things like that. So sometimes, no, I don't take them as verbatim, but sometimes the stuff that can come up on them is a bit weird. Um, like when I've used the Iovolus app on my phone and, and I've, I've, I was walking around Bosworth Field where the Battle of Bosworth 1485 took place and we are getting words coming up that directly relate to 1485, like the month the battle took place, where some of the people were from who fought France, um, other other words that came up. There was even, and I can't think what the word was now, but it's a Catholic term for early prayers that came up. And that linked because Richard III overslept, so he didn't have his early prayers and he was a very strict Catholic. So sometimes when things like that are coming up, you're thinking, okay. How but it, 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 it's also... Um, I mean, I, ha I, I had one recently where I had a, the spirit box running and the Iovolus running and the same words came through on both. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. And ironically, those words came through as I was telling the children to shush because I couldn't hear the spirit box. And both were... So sometimes, yeah, so I think gadgets as long as people don't take them as verbatim, as long as people maybe are aware of their situation, aware of if they feel the temperature's dropped, if something's moved up in the corner of their eye, if, um, you know, if, if they then find out that maybe there was a history of soldiers in that area that not most pe many people know about, for example, I think you can take it, but I don't think, I don't think you can take it as gospel straight away. I think you have to do some research into it to see if it's actually got any validity or not. Definitely. And right. one thing that you did, the, the other thing that you did touch on this before we went live, we were discussing a bit about it, and you were saying that sometimes people are focused on the experiments but forget about what's happening in the background, like the touches. And, you know, and you were saying that they're the key things that sometimes that we miss because we're yeah. focusing on the technology. Yeah. Um, you know, but technology is great. And I do agree with you. You've got to be careful what you're using because some bits of technology are designed just to throw out stuff. And, you know, you, like you said, you can't take it. Yeah. You know, well, that is right. And with all the evidence that you collect, then, you know, uh -huh. you know, people get excited and, you know, we get excited as investigators all the time, you know, but you've got to have that level head. Do you always go back home after an investigation and you try and debunk what's happened like yourself before saying this is definitely paranormal? Do you go into it and say, okay, well, let's have a look at, back at this and see if we can debunk it before we actually say this is paranormal? It depends what the evidence is. So um, 
if I've had a, I mean, like, like I was just saying about the same word came up on the spirit box yeah. and the obvious at the same time, I can't debunk that because no, that, they don't communicate. They don't communicate with each other. You know, it's it, it was just it it could have been a, I don't know what the probability. Someone like Steve Higgins from Higgy Pot probably be able to work out the probability of it happening, but. I don't know what the probability is going to be pretty, pretty high, <laughs> low yeah. rather, whichever way round it would be like one in one and a half million that both gadgets would come up with the same word at the same time. Um, with things like K2s going off, um, it, it, it depends if they're going off on command. So if I've got a K2 that keeps flying up to red, and if I say, look, can you step away? And it goes, drops down. And then, right, can you come back? And it goes up to red again and you haven't moved. That's the kind of debunking I'll do at the time. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I don't I don't sort of take, but it's it's afterwards that, you know, I'll listen back to EVPs. I will go through the word log on the Ovilus. I will um, sort of notes that I've made. As they say, if someone's doing an Estes and I'll be making notes while they're doing it of what they're saying. Yeah. then I might go back and, and look over it. But I'm normally trying to almost critique stuff as it's happening, like trying to come up with as many. So like the K2 thing, same with the REM pod. If the REM pod's going off, if it, if you can say, can you step away, please, and stop it making that noise, and it stops, and then you can get it to restart again. Nobody is moving, and it's going on and off on command. Yeah. Bit hard. I mean, I I agree with what Jim has said. You don't need technology to talk to them. I agree yeah. because I frequently don't use technology, other than maybe a digital recorder, to record what's happening, and that's more for my memory. But I think I think the gadgets. If if you get something come through on on a digital recorder like a voice, and the K two has gone off. And the spirit box is going off, and it's kind of like, well, what's the probability of everything triggering uh, at the same time? Yeah. Um, so I think it just helps validate it. But a lot of the validation I use is the historical validation. It is, you know, if you've got a name or you've got an event been described to you or you've got something happen, is if you can find historical validation for that, like it's in a like properly documented. It's quite hard to argue. How else would you know? No, definitely. And, you know, on the same lines, you know, we're talking about different experiments. You know, the Ouija board is something yeah. that's a lot of people talk about the Ouija board. Now, what's your opinion and what's your take on the Ouija board? Huh. Um, I have had results on one that I've had results using them that I've been able to validate that nobody else would have known. Okay. But then again, I've I've also seen the opposite where people again they try and shoehorn it. Well, yeah. not even pushing it. No, I know what you're saying. No, not actually pushing it. But um it's it's a bit like when the word murder comes up on an ovulus. Oh, somebody was murdered. If they spell murder, <gasps> this person was murdered. And and I'm like there is an element of the idiomotor response from a human. Um, I find them interesting. But again, if you've got... So we were talking about experiments and people doing them on television before we came on air. And and yeah. I said one of the ones that I was watching... Oh, dear, my Sudafed's working. Um, <laughs> I was watching, uh, I think it was 28 Days Haunted. 
and they were doing Estes method experiments. And so I think there was one person, I can't remember who it was, he was doing it, they were all watching him. Oh, there's a woman coming through, she's evil, blah, blah, blah. And then the the medium goes into her room. She goes, oh, no, I've got the same woman coming through. And I'm like, I wouldn't have done it like that. I would have had both of them running their experiments at the same time in their own rooms. Now, if they both had the same person come through and they'd both seen the same thing without knowing, having any influence over the other one, it would have given it a bit more validity. But to yeah. me, it could have just been suggested because they've just experienced it with one investigator. So they set it up for the next one who sees the same thing. I kind of, so little things like that, I, I would tweak. I wouldn't just to, to get the element of um, doubt, cynicism, because even though I'm not a cynic, I will question things because I want to present my, my findings to someone and someone goes, well, did you check this? Yes, I checked that. No, there was no windows open. There was no draft, et cetera. It's okay. So could somebody afflict your hair and you not seen them? No, because my back was against a wall. They couldn't touch my hair. All those kind of things. So it just leaves the last, it's paranormal. It's unexplained. Um, sorry, I can't remember where we were going with this, but. <laughs> no, no, we, we were talking about the Ouija board and the thoughts of oh, your yeah. Ouija board. So, so I do think sometimes people shoehorn the information in another one okay I, I was i was i was doing an investigation at this fort down in kent which in the 1800s they had an awful lot of immigration boats leaving for america from or going around to sort of liverpool and then go and i didn't want to do the ouija board i i sat it out because i was tired i can't remember why i didn't want to do it i thought i'd let other people do it and they kept they they they, they were like who are we speaking to and it spelled out this girl's name okay and um and it kept spelling going then AZ, AZ. Oh my God, it's a demon. It's the something, we've got to cleanse the board. And I went, ask her if she's from Arizona. Yes. But that was my point. I mean, it could have just been someone pushing it, but yeah. it's the fact they automatically went to AZ's got to be, and I was thinking, no, AZ is the abbreviation for Arizona. Now, yeah. if we have people coming from America or going to America from here, I, so that's the only thing with I think with Ouija boards. I think they're fun. Um, I think do I think they're a port gateway for evil spirits? No more so than a spirit box or any other kind of communication. Um, I used to be very cynical about table tipping. I used to think it was a parlor trick until I had the most phenomenal table tipping experience at um, the Four Crosses in Canic Chase, where mm myself and one other person had a table dancing down the stairs with one of us either end Blimey. it was it was dancing down the stairs and i tried we tried doing it consciously to see if we could get it to and we couldn't we couldn't get it to replicate what happened um and it that was uh, say that that kind of may go a bit like this is i've never seen this before um so I think, yeah, I think Ouija boards, they are a very easily open to manipulation. Um, I think sometimes people mistake the fact sometimes you do have to push the, the planchette to give it the energy to start moving. They mistake that for people controlling it. Um, I think some people do block them. I've seen that happen before. 
um, I've gone onto one and it started moving and I'm not pushing it. And and I, it's still moving when I've stepped away. But I do think they are very open to, I think, I think it's a lot harder to manipulate an EVP or something like that than it is a Ouija board response. I agree with you. Having an EVP, we've picked up voices um, where there's no one in the room with us. And yeah. that's harder to run. You know, my thing with, like you're saying, with the Ouija board and things like table tipping, it is easy to manipulate into doing something. You know, but my thought on the, the table tipping, you know, we did an investigation at Manor Farm in Southampton. And, you know, we had a group, big group of people and the table literally lifted onto two legs. And I thought, you know, and everyone had lifted their hands off the table and yeah. it was still on the two legs. And uh, we, we got... a um, a great guy, Luke, he does a lot of filming for us. And he literally got under the table and he was filming the, mm. the legs just standing on their own and then filming everyone's hand off the table. And that, that yeah. moment got me. And you even see me on the camera when you, where I have to send you the footage. My face looks absolutely shocked. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go home now. I'll see you <laughs> a lot later. It was one of those moments that I was just like, okay, this is a bit above my grade here. I, I don't yeah. think... Well, the weird thing was, it was one of those sort of folding tables that everyone likes to use. And um, it was a, a Haunted Happenings event. I'd been invited along to do a bit of a talk about the place and everything for people. And it started off with four of us on it, like one either end and two in the long bit. And the two people on the long bit got bored because nothing was happening. It was just me and this, young, this guy who'd never done this before, was a total sceptic. And... Yeah, I, I literally, I, I did, We because I looked at what he was doing, fingertips on the table. There was no pressure. We weren't holding it. And mm. um, there was people watching. And, yeah, we had it coming down the steps, dancing down the steps with us. And and I must admit, afterwards, I, I kind of didn't feel myself afterwards. That's uh, It felt like someone was in controlling it through me because I did feel quite... Um, I mean, I wasn't, I hadn't taken anything, I, I, but I didn't feel myself for a good few yeah. minutes afterwards. It was strange. He felt like that as well. He just went, what happened? And it was like something you'd taken us over to move this table around as a showman, almost. Um, so I, th I think there's validity in everything, but it's just not believing it without, like you say, hey, Wes, that's Wes from Canada. It's all the way from Canada. It's my good friend Wes. Um, sorry. No, that's quite <laughs> um, <nice time. laughs> um, I think there's validity in everything, but it's just not taking it necessarily in isolation. It's looking at the bigger picture. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that someone in a pub perhaps was a bit of a show person, showman, because, you know, you used to you get people like that in those kind of places, don't you? Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's um, I, I say I think everything. I, I love hearing ideas. That one of my favourite ones that I heard someone come up with, and I can't remember who came up with it first, is using mobile phones. So putting a phone in in a room that's already called through to another phone, leaving that phone in, and going off with your phone, and hearing if you can hear voices. You know, I've heard that before, and it sounds like a great experiment. To, it does, doesn't it? To, it's to just use, unfortunately so. the places I've done recently aren't controlled enough to be able to, mm. to do, do that. that. But that's one I would like. It's using sort of modern technology. That would be... And it's using it in a very basic way as well, isn't it? You're mm. just making 
a phone call and then seeing what happens mm. um, with, with that. And with regards to, you know, we've touched base on different um, experiences that we've yeah. had in the paranormal. Have there, have you ever had an experience or a situation where you think it's pushed you to your limits and you think, oh, this is a bit too much for me to handle? No. Not yet. Not yet. It must be only me then. It must be me. Not I've I've had places I've gone into and I've thought I need to keep my wits about me. Mm. But I don't think there's been anywhere that I'd I've has unnerved me so much that I've said I'm not going back. I I, okay. I think yeah, Wes has mentioned Bodmin because we Bodmin, that's how yeah. that's how that's how Wes and I first really met. We we um helped Richard Estep do the research at Bodmin Jail. And Bodmin is amazing. If you haven't investigated Bodmin, you've got to go. <laughs> you've got to visit there because, I mean, apart from the fact that Kirsten, who runs it, is is an amazing person. Some of the stuff that happened there over the sort of two nights we were investigating there did open my eyes a lot. But not to the stage where I, I wouldn't go back. I mean, actually, the scariest thing, the scariest thing at Bodmin was Wes. When <laughs> and I think he knows the story I'm going to tell. I I was there with another mutual friend of ours, Gaynor, and um, we didn't realise he was sitting in the corner of one of this corridor area. We didn't know he was there. It was pitch black, and her and I are walking up there, and suddenly we hear this voice from the corner, and it's him hiding in the. the he, he's laughing. He he remembers. Yes, he does remember. He that made me. That's it. First time I've really jumped. Because that he's got a very very lovely deep voice as our Wes, uh, um, and he, he 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 spoke, and uh, we didn't know he was there, and we both jumped. I think there was a case of ah, like grabbing onto each other, which I don't tend to do. Um, but no, Bodmin Jail is 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 amazing. It is an amazing place. Um, but it's I, I honestly don't think there's been anywhere that I've thought no i can't handle this um mm. i'd almost like to i i would like to have that kind of i can't go back in there experience but it's not happened yet so it must be just me like like, like scott pointed out i'm the only wuss around here so <laughs> i'll take that all day long you know like i said i only did this initially because it was something sarah was really into and then i you know dan presented an opportunity and i thought you know why not but some of the things that have happened you know, has pushed me to my limits. And I think maybe because I'm still learning, because you never know exactly. It's always a learning curve with the paranormal, I think. It it's not could gonna... be. I'm, I'm probably going to alienate half the people watching. It could just be a man <laughs> thing. Because, I mean, my husband's like a five foot nine ex-rugby playing builder. You know, he can he can cope. He grew up in Harlow, for heaven's sake. He's He can handle himself. When we did the investigation at Tibbenham, and he heard something shuffling in the gravel behind him. And there's nothing there. He nearly jumped into my arms. I'm five foot two. So, um, and when he said, oh, it just made me jump. Yeah, right. He literally jumped onto me. He, he went, ah! And um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I, I'm just not a, um, I, I, I do jump at things, but. I've always said this, I'm more scared of the living than I am of the dead. 
I hear that a lot. A lot of people say that it's the living that you should be more scared of. Um, but no, so I'm not the only one, Scott. Just wanted to point out there, as we learned, Penny's husband's a bit like me. <laughs> yeah, you two are amusing. I feel a little bit better now. Oh, Scott has put that is definitely not my thing. Yeah, but it's he's from Glasgow. Thing. He's a Scott. I mean, yeah, Scots exactly. aren't scared of anything, are they? No, I need, I need to hang around with Scott a bit more then, by the sounds of it. Um, <laughs> with, with regards to your investigations then, um, you know, you come from a big history background, you know, being a historian yourself. Yeah. You know, uh, we Different people do things different way in investigations. Yeah. Do you do the history on the investigation before you do your investigations? So do you do history on the location um, or do you do the investigation then do the history on the location? <laughs> A lot of the times I am writing a book on a location, so I will already know it. And mm. um, sorry, Scott's just made me laugh, his comment. Um, <laughs> thing is, I can understand him right now because he's writing stuff. It's fine. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I. the problem I have is because i doing Haunted Histories, the podcast, writing for things like the magazine, everything else I have a very very broad history knowledge mm. it's almost impossible for me to go in somewhere completely history blind so to speak I always know something I may not know it in the depth that I would if I've written writing a book about it but I normally know something what I try not to do is tell the other investigators anything until something comes through that they're going that doesn't make sense and I go well actually it does yeah so or I I try so I don't I don't deliberately research somewhere before I'm going to investigate it. But the reason I'm normally asked to come and investigate somewhere is to do the history on it for That's them. Knowledge, so yeah. it kind of yeah. Um, but I try not to tell people anything. I certainly you know if they say can you do a history talk to the public, it's like right who wants to hear this? If you don't want to hear this, go out. So all the ma mediums go out sorry Scott's making me laugh oh, no, he, he's, he, he's, a good, he's a good guy Scott I like he's him. on form tonight I tell you um <laughs> all the mediums will go out all the people who don't want to know the history will go out um and so I'll tell it to give it like a history review like when I've done say Gresson Hall Workhouse um for people but when I'm doing the actual investigation I will not say well actually in 1854 this happened here or whatever I will wait and see if something comes through that fits then they'll say is this right and I'll normally be able to come out and say well actually yes um but so I don't deliberately do the research but it's normally there anyway because a lot of the reason a group will ask me to come on an investigation is to act as their historian. So to help with, say, trigger experiments, to help back up with additional information. One of my favourite EVP questions to ask is, um, was it a king or a queen on the throne when you were around? Because mm. if they say queen, that really limits your time period. And But then you've got to know your history to ask, so, well, was it Elizabeth, Victoria? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's not, but yeah, so the question, the answer is I don't deliberately research, but I normally know it anyway, because that's the reason I'm there. Brilliant. And on the basis of, um, you know, your history background, um, you know, you've got the opportunities to, um, be featured on things like celebrity, um, how my house is haunted. 
Yeah. You know, um, and we were actually watching one with you on there the other day. I think it's season four that they're doing at the moment. Um, yeah. Is it season four that they're doing? Serotonin. Wrong, but how did that come about then? Was it something that they just, you know, how did they get to know you to be able to ask you to do that for them? Jane Harris, Jane Harris is a very good friend of mine, um, and, and we've um, we've done a few public investigations together. And I, she, she loves history. Um, she's done my podcast a few times, and she mentioned to me that they were looking for. Um, they were looking for a new historian to join the team because they don't they they don't like to have they like a different historian in each episode, so mm. it's not like the same historian does all of them. Um, and they were looking for some new ones, and she recommended me, and said that I was very good on camera. I was used to talking on camera, which I am, um, and I could do my own research. And so the first one I did was the um, Chigwell episode with uh, Frankie Essex. Yeah. And when I told them about Mary Jane Heathcote, which most people have never heard of her, um, I've actually, in the, the new book I've written, writing, I've written more about her story in there for what happened oh, to her. And um, I think she was cursed. And I don't throw that word out lightly, but people will find out why I'm saying that when they read it. Um, bad luck followed her. Um, and then, you know, they said, well, we'll have you back. And and, and so now I'm kind of one of their go-to historians so i have done an episode for the new celebrity help my house is haunted series which i think is february lands on discovery plus um so that's yeah that's that's how they came about i mean jane actually came and saw me do a talk on workhouses at one of um when karen who does the festival of the unexplained that's happening in september yeah. Hall, um she used to do sort of one day events and i did a talk at one of those just before covid actually and um, Jane actually saw that she was there anyway. She came. I asked her to come and see the talk. It was quite nerve wracking because she's someone I really look up to. And it, yeah, it's just that. It's just word of mouth. Um, and then it's a case if you've got to prove you can do what you say you're going to do. And yeah, so I've just, I said, I filmed my third episode for them September. Brilliant. And when it comes to those sort of situations, so they've asked you to look into. You know, you're looking into the land, what's happened, like what was built yeah. there before the houses were there. You know, um, what what do you need to do then to find that sort of information? So if someone doesn't really know how a historian works, you know, is it just going back through archive um, newspaper articles? What, what do you have to provide them to? Um, the well, normally they, they don't lead me that much. They, they might say, um, this is the air. Well, people think they give me all the information and I just find a few things out. Um, Wes is after something. Um, <laughs> we were waiting for the favour to drop in in a minute. Like the, yeah, um, um, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yes. Yeah, so they might say to me, for example, the information I got for the Epping episode, the Chigwell episode was, um, it's we think it's something to do with water mm. and death that was literally what I got and so I started I, I I'd start doing like a basic history of the area so I time I map out a history of the area see if there's anything jumps out there then I will start looking for um quite traumatic type deaths that might have happened over sort of the last couple hundred years one of the things you have to be very careful of is deaths that are going to have happened to family members who are still around 
So yeah. anything later than the 1950s, 1960s, it's it, you have to be very, very careful because you, you've, you've got to respect people. And a lot of those deaths are going to be horrific murders, suicides. You don't want to you don't want to upset people if you can really help it. Um, and then I don't know what the haunting is. They don't tell me until afterwards, until after I've given them all my research and said, this is what I found. Then they'll tell me what the haunting is. And in every single case, I have hit the nail on the head with some of the research that fits what they're experiencing. Um, and then I can, when, so that it's, it's literally, I, I literally get told, um, this is the area, this is what we think it's linked to. And that's it. So, so, so they give you minimal information then to very because when very when you see, when when you see yourself you're you're sort of telling the story and I love the way you you sort of talk about what you found because you sort of express mm -hmm. it in a story format and you know you really get out there what the kind of things that you know that that has happened you mm -hmm. know so I just think it's brilliant that you've got the knowledge to be able to do that so you know and as I said we were watching the other day and it was um it was great and it was a good. And your information does tie up to the kind of things that they go on. I haven't they... watched the episode yet. I didn't. You I haven't, haven't watched. watched I haven't watched that one yet. No, I don't like watching myself. I haven't got around to watching it. I don't get to watch much of stuff that I want to because a lot of the things I listen to or read or watch are research for a project I'm working on. So I very rarely get to sit and watch <laughs> these things myself. Um, so I don't I don't know what they found on I, I know bits of it because I, I spoke to Jane, but I don't know what they found on the investigation yet. So um, I'll well. let you I'll let you in on a funny story about that interview. I mean Jane is a brilliant interviewer. Her and I, because we're good friends, we bounce off yeah. each other quite well. Um and the crew, the Help My House of Haunted crew, film crew and everything are absolutely amazing. I want to give them a big, big shout because they're great people. Um I don't like birds. I'm scared of birds. And they were so good. <laughs> what you don't see is the house we were doing that, they were doing the investigation in the mill house. They had loads and loads of chickens roaming everywhere. And as I'm sitting there talking to Jane, I've got three chickens getting closer and closer to my <laughs> leg. And I am trying really hard not to go, ah, because I don't like birds and then jane realized that, that that me these blasted things come to you know anyone else who likes them me and she knows i don't and she suddenly realized these chickens and then she went stop 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 because <laughs> she could see i'm starting to go oh god i'm trying to stay so professional and not scream that these chickens are starting to peck at my feet um that's how professional i am anyone watching this that's how professional i am well, you kept you kept yourself composed then, because it yeah. didn't look like there was anything going on around you. No, there was. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Um, just to go back, Scott asked a question earlier on. Um, have you ever had any replies through an app in a different accent? We get a lot of Scottish um, accents. Yeah. So what kind of accents have you picked up? Well, when I was doing RAF Tibbenham, I was out on the runway again with my husband, who got scared by the gravel noise. And we were using a spirit box and we had someone talking to us in an American accent. Brilliant. And it was an American airbase. The minute we left there, no American accents. So that's so, the thing. Yes. When you get some of that coming through and it's a different accent and, you know, we're in, 
you know, we're in England. You don't expect yeah. to get the American side of it. So that's absolutely brilliant. Um, and it was actually, that was one that actually made my dad start to believe there was something too. There's my dad who is a mechanical engineer by trade, Brunel educate degree, everything. When we told him what had happened to us, he went and reset and he actually found the air crew that this guy was talking about. He actually related it to the date this guy had given us, the name this guy had given us, you name it. And that's when my dad actually started to sort of think that maybe it wasn't all made up. Mm. Uh, definitely. Um, the the other thing that I wanted to touch on um, is what we spoke again before the live um, you said about your son he yeah. is um, like a junior investigator now yeah. a lot of people have different emotions different feelings about when you're looking at kids getting involved you know they people think that they're too um, sensitive to these sort of things mm -hmm. you know what's your take on that because you must be all for it because your son's learning from you I take it yeah. you know so is, can yeah. you, you know, what's what younger people getting involved and how you would tell them to investigate if they want to do it I personally wouldn't let him go on big public investigations but that's because I can't control it he's still yeah. he's 13 he's my son I want to protect him. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to let him go with people other than just myself, it would be on smaller ones where I knew everyone and I knew they would all have the same kind of protectiveness over him, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I would also say to him, and I have done, if you're ever getting really unnerved, we leave. I, I don't care if I'm doing this for a book. I don't care what the reason is. He's listening right now, I can tell. Um, <laughs> we leave. We walk away. Um, the thing is, he has been experiencing stuff himself since he was little. I, I, I remember I, I lost my sister when she was 19. So he's never met her. None of neither of my children have. My husband hasn't. They all know who she is because I have no qualms talking about her. But yeah. she 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 died 27 years ago. When he was about two or three, he didn't talk much. He had a very limited vocabulary. And I could hear him having a conversation with someone. And I said to him, who are you talking to? And he said, the nice lady with the red hair, she says her name is Susie. That's my sister. Wow. So, um, and I was like, whereas some parents might have gone, <gasps> I was like, okay, cool. That's all right then. And I think if you don't panic, then they don't panic. And it's a bit like, um, oh, people are going to shoot me for saying this. It's a bit like how children and dogs if you teach your child how to interact with a dog properly, any dog, they're yeah. less likely to be hurt by one. If you teach them not to panic and to be respectful, they're less likely to be hurt by one. I don't see any difference. I, 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 I think, like I say, the reason I wouldn't let him go off with a whole group of adults that I don't know is because I'm protective over my child. It's not that I think the spirit is more likely to hurt him it's more that he might be put into a situation where he's uncomfortable and he doesn't feel confident to say, I don't like it. But I don't take him on like two o'clock in the morning ghost hunts. Um, I think, you know, I, I would take him out at night, but he still has a bedtime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we've, we've done investigations in Epping Forest in the middle of the day, him and I, and things have happened. So... I think as long as he understands how to use the equipment, how to sort of, I mean, one of my pet hates is when you get people with a K2 and they're wandering around going, oh, lights here going off. And you're like, just stand still, just stand still and see what happens. He's learned that. 
So mm. he's he's learned sort of um, to say thank you when they interact. He's learned um, to ask. He's learning the difference between a closed question and an open question yeah. when he's talking. All those kind of things, which will help him in, as he gets older anyway. Definitely. So it, it's a case of don't be scared, be respectful, be polite, and if you're going to do it, do it properly. Is is kind of but I think if he if he was having nightmares because of things, I wouldn't let him do it. But he's not. So it's all controlled. So you, it's controlled in the sense of you you know you're not put, putting him out of his comfort zone and things like that. So it's. It's like you're saying, it's the way you do it. And just to go back on, you were saying that your son had an experience where he identified your sister. If you don't mind me touching base on that. You know, and then you said at an early age, you experienced stuff. Do you think it's something in, in the DNA or, you know, something being related? You know, you said about your early aunts and do you think that could be passed I don't on know, because I think most children can see and hear stuff. I think it's, I think a lot of... Um, children have that ability i don't know what other people think but i've always wondered if those children who say they've got an imaginary friend is it imaginary or is it they're they're just taught to switch it off in a way not yeah. the way I, I know is. when it was my um husband's cousin their, their their boy was two two and a half and he was seeing someone in this really old house they lived in and they were all panicking and it was one of them said look why don't we just talk to penny and see what her thoughts were and I talked it through with them and I said, has this spirit encouraged him to I know, jump out of a window, do something dangerous? No. Is it just talking to him? Yes. Well, he'll probably outgrow it because children seem to. Children, not many children keep it. But I do think children, because they, you know, they 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 believe in stuff that as adults we're taught not to. Yeah. And I'm very careful the sort of things I allude to because of Christmas coming up. Um, but they believe in things. So it could be that that part of their brain that allows them to see it hasn't been switched off yet. Whereas when they become adults and are taught what you can and can't believe in, it, it stops seeing it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, or maybe it's just most children do have that ability. They just think it's an imaginary friend as opposed to something spirit. Real. Well, yeah, something spirit. Um, and Two more questions before I let you go. Firstly, um, you know, you wrote a book, um, My Haunted History, and it was like highlighting some of the locations that you've done over the years. Yeah. You know, um, what what has been what is your favorite location that you've done and why? It's not actually in that book. <laughs> um oh, okay. I, <laughs> I wrote that book. The the book is meant to be almost it was originally the way I was doing my podcast was I would do half an hour on the history of a place and then half an hour on the hauntings. Yeah. I, I changed my podcast format after that because it didn't flow properly, but that's why that book was written because I suddenly thought, well, actually, I've got all these these sort of notes I've written up for the podcast. It's a book. Um, I think my favourite place that I've ever investigated, which sadly is no more because it burned down, not me, the Leopard Inn in Burslem near Stoke. That place blew my mind. Um, things happened there when you did it. Oh, well, it's it's more the history of the place, really. I mean, for anyone who hasn't hadn't never got the chance to go, it's this little pub in Burslem, which is part of like a borough of Stoke and Trent, yeah. and it just looks like from the outside, 
at your typical spit and sawdust in a in a town pub that people would have gone in out the back was this hotel three three floors of hotel rooms that i kid you not you wouldn't have known it was there unless you went through the secret door and if there's anyone watching who who went there they'll know exactly what i mean by this secret door and you open this door and then there's just staircases to these rooms it, it was mind-blowing just the history of it yeah what was even more mind-blowing is i always thought all my relatives came from let me think the northeast so middlesbrough gisborough all around that north yorkshire and it was when I was about to do this place a few years ago with uh, Chris Chell and the guys from Haunted Houses. My dad goes, oh, you do realise your great-great-great-grandmother was from Burslem? Really? Wow. Okay. No, I didn't. Um, but this place, it was just, it was just, it was one of those, <laughs> there was one part of it, and I can't remember where it was, but Chris said to me, "There's it. see how sensitive you are, because there's this one part that women hate, they feel unsafe in. Men don't, men get nothing from it, but there's this one bit, all the women who come up here go, I don't feel safe. That kind of intuition, when you're out as a woman and you think you're being followed, that kind of gut feeling that women, we, we have to have. And I was like, all right. And he goes, I wanna see how sensitive you are, see if you can find it. And I was wandering around these three floors. And to be honest, not liking birds, I was more worried about the fact there was a lot of pigeon poo everywhere and I was going to get a pigeon in my face. Or some of the floorboards were a bit derelict and I thought I'm going to put my foot through something. Um, or that whole kind of, I shouldn't really be here, should I? Really? Am I allowed to be? Anyway, I remember walking around this corner and suddenly getting that feeling of being in danger. Like, there is someone bad here. There's someone who... Would, and I, I sort of went to a different part. Anyway, I remember telling him where it was that I, I was freaked out by. And he went, that's where all women say. All the women who go there point that bit out. But it was things like we were on one floor and we were two floors above where the next person was. And we heard a woman coughing at the end of our corridor. We weren't there. There was nobody there. We had, oh, wow. um, we had, we had you know, the cat balls, the flashing cat balls. Yeah, yeah. We had one thrown past the room we're standing in, we had one gun flying past our room. Somebody had thrown it. Um, where else did we have? <clears throat> we had a table flipped. No one's standing by it. it. It was just, this place was just, Phenomenal. you know, it was one of those, when, when I heard it had burned down, um, insurance, who knows? I was gutted because this place was, it was amazing. Um, and there was so much there, so much to tap into there that wasn't tapped into yet. Um, that's one of my favorites. Draclo tunnels from a historical point of view. I love Draclo tunnels. Um, that was one of the kind of places where people get scared of. I could sleep down there. It wouldn't bother me. I felt quite once apart from being freezing cold, that place was cool. Um, but I, 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 I just love getting the, I just find it an honour as a historian that I get to see these places after dark with hardly anyone else around and just sit there and take them in. So whether it's it's a, it's a sort of 500-year-old little house that I'm getting to sit in or Langard Fort in Felixstowe, which is another favourite of mine, I just find it an honour. I just, even if there's no activity, the history of it is... Yeah, 
it's amazing. It's a cool thing to do. Mm. It'll be great to actually do an investigation with you and you know, I think it would be absolutely a blast. Um, and on that note, you know, the other thing that I want to touch base on is um, the upcoming event, uh, Festival of the Unexplained. Mm -hmm. You're going to be one of the speakers there, and I think you're also in a, arranging the night, like an investigation, are you? Sway. Yeah, I I am doing the day trip on the Friday. Yeah. I um, Yeah, I'm not actually having to do an actual talk over the weekend now because oh. they were... <laughs> well i'm going to be talking for about six hours in total on the friday so i think i'm going to be a bit talked out um i mean i love the sound of my own voice but even i have limits um i am going to be there for the whole weekend but at the moment i don't believe i'm on the speaker schedule i mean that might that might change i don't i don't know but at the moment i'm not but i am responsible for the day trip on the Thank friday you. um which I have chosen the location. I am doing the entire tour, and it's going to be me showing doing it. So it's it's, uh, and I'm very excited about the location. And um, just in case people watching that don't know about the festival, the unexplained, it's a <clears throat> a weekend event where you get not even just from the paranormal. I think like last year you had people about UFOs and yeah, you know, yeah, the Kinsella brothers. Yeah, the Kinsella brothers was there. Um, Barry Fitzgerald, who does an awful lot of UFOlogy as well as the paranormal. You also had um, Richard Freeman, I believe his surname was, who was cryptozoology. Yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's a slightly smaller lineup this this next one, um, but. Yeah, it's um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a good day. But yeah, I, I will be there. I'm there for the whole event. So I think there's I think for the VIP holders, there's I don't know what the technical term is they're calling them, but the VIPs they're getting to do an investigation. I think on the Thursday night at Bosworth Hall, yeah, um, I'll be there for that. So I'll probably be there with my little laptop checking things as they happen for people, um, and then I'll be doing the whole day day trip on the Friday and then I'll be there for the whole weekend to natter away to people like I did last time. And it sounds like a brilliant event for everyone to come together and that that's interested in the field and they get a lot out of it because you yeah. know there's stools available and then you get to you sort of get to mingle with people at the party yeah. in the evening as well don't you so yeah. you know I bet you're excited well we're me and Sarah are going I'm allowed to go this time last time I did <laughs> it's on my own going so you know it'll be great to meet you in person as well you know Thank we're you. really excited um, you know, to get to see you, get to what you know, watch what you do, really, and you know, and it's a good opportunity to learn from everyone else. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, I I know a few of the people are coming. I mean, Rob Thompson's back. Who I yeah. got to, he was actually sat. His table was next to mine last year. Uh, Dan Clay's is back. Obviously, Hinsdale House. Dan, um, you've got Danny Moss. I don't know Danny, but obviously, he's very well known in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dave Schrader's going to be there, so um, I'm going to be putting in front of him the blog I wrote after one of his shows, one of his TV shows. <laughs> you never shared this, and I tagged you. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, um, I think, oh, I can't think what the chap. There's a chap there. He's a hypno hypnotist, um, regression. I've just completely forgotten his name. That's really bad, isn't it? Um, he's going to be there as well. So yeah, there's, there's a real variety of of people going to be doing talks and um it's going to be an interesting event uh, two weeks before cool. that i'm doing the paramate for neil Packer. So, oh, okay yeah uh, haunted paranormal antique center isn't it that's the one so that's two weeks before that so um september is going to be 
a very cool and busy month. So guys, if you want to meet Penny in person, you know, there's two events there, one in Hinkley. It's the paranormal, I think, is it? Uh, the Paramount's actually being held at a hotel in Rugby. Oh, in Rugby. Um, yeah, it's a hotel in Rugby. The, the hotel has got quite cool interest because it, it was once the, the home of the chap who invented the jet engine. So, oh, okay. um, in fact, he's meant to still haunt there. Um, so, yes, and then you've got that. And then two weeks after, you've got the one at Bosworth, which I wrote. Uh, if you bring up my slide again that shows my books, I wrote the book about uh, earlier yes, this year. Was... The Battle for Bosworth Hall. There we go. There we go. Yeah, the there red one. All my covers um, done absolutely amazingly by Andy Saw, who does all the artwork and graphics for Haunted Magazine. He does. I know. I've got to speak to Andy as well. I've spent the great guys, um, him yeah. and Paul, I've got to yeah. speak to. So, brilliant. So, we know about the two events that are coming up next year that you're going to be taking part on. Um, just to end on, really, what else have you, you got planned? You got any more books due out? Yes. I've got well, the Epping. I'm writing a book at the moment on. Um, I call it on Epping Forest, but technically it's the Forest of Essex because Epping Forest was only one part of it. Uh, I won't go into boring details, but it used to be over 20,000 acres. Now it's nearer 5,000 acres, so you can imagine how big it used to be. Um, I've got a book coming out, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that will be around May time that will come out, but it really depends on if I keep finding more stuff to add to it. Um, I'm also looking at starting a history tour of Chelmsford where I live um, because there's an awful lot of stuff in Chelmsford that people don't know about um, and I took some a, fr a friend of mine is actually writing a film at the moment to do with something that's to do with Essex and she asked me to show her where a few things had happened in Chelmsford that are in her film and uh, I took them on a sort of makeshift tour and they're like you've got to do this for the public so I'm looking at sort of working on that for probably sort of March April next year as well um, but yeah, if, if anyone's doing a function and they need someone who can talk for Britain, I can help. <laughs> yeah, um, and, you know, with regards to your books, if people want to go and purchase your books, I know your books are on Amazon. They are, uh, yeah. Are they anywhere else that they can be purchased? Or is it they can contact Amazon? me direct. If they want a signed copy, it might be a little bit more than it is for Amazon because obviously I then have to post it out to them, but they can get a copy a signed copy from me if they'd like to. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> uh, cheeky. Cheeky. I need to uh, do Grey Friars. I need to do Grey Friars. In, in, I, lo I loved it. I've, I've only had a fleeting visit to Glasgow, but I have been to Edinburgh a few times, and I love Edinburgh and the history there and the feel of the place. Um, so I, I do need to do a proper... Brilliant. And also, just to mention, you can actually find Penny on her Facebook page, Haunted yep. Histories. Haunted Histories. Um, and you do some podcasts and things I like do. that on there. Yeah. You know, so um, the description's actually, um, Penny's link's in the description. So please feel free to go and give Penny a follow. You know, there's some brilliant stuff that she puts up on there. So it's definitely yeah. worth having a little look. Um, and there was but, actually a competition. I've just done the first draw, but um on the i haven't decided if it'll be the 30th or the 31st of this month i'll be doing another draw for a copy of one of my books and i'll send it anywhere in the world do you want to tell everyone what they need to do to get entered into the all competition? they need to do it's very easy if you you've got to be a member of the group got to be a member of haunted histories um you there's a post on there it's pinned it's called competition all you have to do is share the post comment on the post 
and invite someone else to join the group. Bob's your uncle, you're in the, the draw that will take place at the end of the month. Brilliant. Um, so there you go, guys. Definitely go to Penny's page, give her a follow, share it out, get someone involved, and then you're entered into the competition automatically. Um, but I just want to thank you, Penny, for joining us tonight. It's been absolutely brilliant speaking with you. Um, you, you know, it's been loads of fun. And, you know, again, can't wait to catch up with you, um, to meet you in person in September. That's going to be awesome, you know. So um, thank you very much. And oh, I just want to say thank you to everyone else that's joined in tonight. Scott, you've been brilliant. You know, everyone's been brilliant with their questions and, you know, their comments. We really do appreciate everyone watching. Um, but for now, I'm going to say goodbye to everyone. And thank you, Penny, again for joining. Um, what I'll do, I'll just pop you into the background, and then once I've closed off, we'll just quickly have a chat, and, and then I can say my goodbyes. But for now, everyone, thank you. Um, thank you I everyone. think this, I think this is our last live before Christmas, so you know, um, I just want to wish everyone a happy Christmas and a great New Year. You know, I hope you all have a great time, and we'll see you all in 2023. So, but for now, goodbye, everyone. Take care.